ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, scumbags, goofballs, uh, hardworking folks, and lazy bastards. We back at it again. Y'all know what time it is. I hope y'all know what time it is, because we know what time it is. It's time for the footy misfits, good football misfits, where we give you that bullshit, that drama, a little bit of footy sprinkled in there somewhere. Uh, and today I'm joined by my good brother, Ronnie. Ronnie, check in for the one time. Here, dímelo, mi gente. And I also, that's Spanish for y'all ignorant bastards who don't know. And I'm also with the good homie, Spence. Spence, say what's good. What's going on? Peace and peace and love. Here, Spencer back. Spencer back. We we doubt that. We got job porns for that, shall we? You know, we back at it again, and you know when it's three of us, it's like Super Saiyan Goku, Goku Super Saiyan three, or whatever you want to call it. So you know, Majin Buu, we on your ass, and no, whatever you want to say. So uh, obviously, there wasn't any club football this past week, and we know why because of the most hated, often celebrated international break. Uh, we had a, a few friendlies going on earlier on in the week, and then we also had some more competitive games, i.e., the UEFA Nations League, and also qualifiers for the Euros, if I'm not mistaken, or did I get that totally wrong? Yeah, Euro qualifiers. Um, there was also World Cup qualifiers going on in South America. I mean, well, there we go. Um, I guess we can always start with what we saw and a little bit of highlights, some things you guys enjoyed watching. Roddy, do you want to go off and start it off for us? I'll simply say I didn't really watch a lot of international footy as much as I usually would. What I did see, um, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, I saw the Dutch and Spain draw 1-1, and um, the French, they lost to Finland um, 2-0 in the Stade de France. I wasn't expecting that, for Finland to collapse France in the manner in which they did. But, um, yeah, good thing they responded, though, defeating Portugal in the Nations League. Did you guys feel any way about them losing to Finland 2-0? I think it shouldn't have happened, but... Does this have, is there anything to read in between the lines, you think, in terms of uh, them playing together or uh, the state of the French national team? Uh, I didn't watch that game, so I'm not even sure, like, what caused the loss. But I watched anybody watch it, I didn't really watch it, so I'm not, I can't really say anything. I'm not sure. I watched the game. a little bit of rust. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, from what I saw, it was the uh, French the French team, I mean, they lined up in a way where, for the most part, they, I mean, the national team and most of their guys you could call starters on anywhere. But um, the way they, they came to play, it looked like Finland was coming to win the game and France was just coming to play some 11v11 soccer and hope for the best. Um, they were rusty. In, in Finland's box, in the opposition box, they didn't look like they were trying to, they were clinical at all. Uh, they were kind of lackluster defensively. Me, personally, I don't think it means anything significant, although they did change a bit, a good amount of the team um, when they played Portugal over the weekend. I think the only person that they left from the front side of the team in terms of the attack in the midfield was Paul Pogba, but everybody else uh, was changed around. I think I think N'Golo Kante, he didn't start, but yeah, I think the only person that they didn't change was Paul Pogba, so maybe you could call it France's uh, second squad or their friendly squad, but they just looked like they weren't trying to play, man. They looked like they had some bigger things to think about, probably injuries, which we'll get to later. But yeah, no, that's right. but they got the job done against Portugal in the Nations League game, and now they're into the Nations League final four coming up. Yeah, shouts to them. Before that, though, there were European qualifiers going on as well. I did see Georgia and North Macedonia. Shouts to North Macedonia. They qualified for their first ever European championship. 
Air horns for that. We need that. Come on, bro. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I also wanted to shout out um City of Odd Journeyman, Goran Pandev. He scored the game winner for Macedonia, North Macedonia, and um he's gonna retire from footy after he, the Euro, so that should be fun. I was gonna say he's still playing. God damn. Yeah, man. He he's with um I think Genoa right now, if my memory serves me correctly. But um definitely up there in age, like 36, 37, 38, I think. But um yeah, shouts to him though. He the one thing he wanted was to get North Macedonia to the Euros and he got that accomplished. Also qualifying for the Euros, Hungary and Slovakia. But the one team who qualified that everyone's talking about after a 22-year absence from international tournaments, Scotland are in to Euro 2020. And that is major. Yeah, shout out to Scotland. Just watching that game, not only was it a nail-biter for both sides, I would imagine Scotland were shitting their pants after having been up 1-0 and then conceding late on to go into extra time. And it looked like the... Uh, that they were going to concede. However, they, they stuck to their guns. They held it down and ended up winning in penalties. And what is their first major tournament berth since 1998? Yeah, their first major tournament since the 98 World Cup. Yeah, and, and so uh, I think the coach, whose name escapes me, I think it's... it's Steve it's, Clark. Steve Clark. Yeah, he was uh, talking about um, that he was trying not to cry and stuff like that. Just an um, overall big win for Scotland. And to be fair, they've been playing really well. In most of the games that I've seen them play in, call it uh, Euro qualifiers or even the friendly matches, John McGinn on Aston Villa right now has been doing his thing. He's been playing very well. He played well against Arsenal last week, has been playing well in uh, the national team. But, yeah, it's just it's good to see. It's good to see a team like Scotland, you know, bust their ass and then make the, the biggest tournament in Europe. Um, yeah, it definitely meant a lot to everyone on that Scottish team. It's a big win for him. Big win. Huge congrats. Going to a major tournament. Just tons of congrats all around for them. They worked hard. Yeah, one of your own, Andy Robertson, is going to be playing in the Euros. Yeah. You want to I think he's the captain of Scotland, so even more more congrats to him and everything that team has done. They worked hard to get with their yeah. Yeah. Deserve all the credit. I agree. One negative I guess you could take away from that, speaking of injuries, Andy Robertson did or end the game with some sort of injury. At the moment, we don't know if it's anything significant, but there is that, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, shout out to Scotland. Other games in international footy this weekend. Saturday, like we mentioned, France making it to the Nations League. Final four, they defeated Portugal, the defending champions of this competition. Um, N'Golo Conte scored the winner for Le Bleu. And then you also had group four, Spain and Switzerland in Basel. 1-1 finish between the Swiss and the Spanish. That game was notable for Sergio Ramos getting his record-breaking cap and Sergio Ramos missing a pair of pens. Hate to see it. That's right. <laughs> uh, you got to um, show some love to Jan Sommer. He was he did not care about any milestone caps. He was there to do his job. Do uh, you guys think it was more Sommer or do you think it was Sergio Ramos just, just fucking off on those penalties? I mean, the first one, to be fair, it looked like Sommer got a hand to it. And uh, Ramos was going for the far left corner, bottom left corner, and it was a good save, which ended up ended up going out of bounds. The second penalty to me was the one to watch because Sergio Ramos must have been feeling himself. You know, he got he got that record caps and thought that she was sweet, I guess, and looked like he wanted to put some sort of Panenka penalty, and then that shit ended up. I think he made maybe thought thought against it, maybe um, down one nil. I mean, you got to respect the balls on the guy. 
for doing something cheeky like that, but it just ended up being a pretty weak penalty that Summers or Summer kind of just grabbed and was like, thanks for that. I appreciate it. If there's one guy, I think Spencer mentioned it <clears throat> before the pod, there's one guy who you got to trust to take the penalty. It's got to be Ramos at this point. He's, he scored the last, what, 26 straight, you said? Yeah, something like that. He, he scored a lot in a row, so it wasn't like he's not used to this. It just so, happens. All the credit I mean, to the goalie for just making those saves. I mean, that second one, you got to give credit straight to Sergio Ramos because he was trying to miss that shit. That's what it looked like. But, I mean, 26 penalties in a row or whatever. I mean, I guess you have the right to feel yourself and uh, try some cheeky shit. And sometimes when you try cheeky shit, as we saw last week with uh, Fulham's Lukman, it doesn't go so well. But, yeah. And then the other game in the group, Germany beat Ukraine 3-1. And then the last match of the group, which will pretty much determine who goes to the Final Four, in Sevilla, Spain, and Germany. Both teams not looking their best, but anytime you can get a chance to see Spain and Germany against one another, you're, you're bound to see something uh, interesting. Hopefully they come for each other's necks. Hopefully Sergio Ramos is looking at actually score some penalties at that point but yeah they both don't look at their tip-top form they look like they're sort of on the i won't say decline for germany <clears throat> spain looks a bit on the decline but yeah should be an interesting game uh to see both of them play each other it's always fun uh you know when you look at history the euros in 2008 obviously the world cup semi-final in 2010 so a lot of history there and so you you gotta you gotta just assume and hope that they have a, a, a really entertaining game. Other games that I saw today, Sunday, Wales-Ireland, the Welsh one, that one nothing. Apart from that, Belgium and England, I know we all saw that one. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was pretty much all Belgium. I thought England would get one back, but they didn't. That Dries Mertens goal was an absolute banger, my friends. Were so one, such a great goal. And I don't think they were ready for it. I thought they were going to anticipate Kevin De Bruyne was going to take it. Yeah, he took that shit quick as fuck. He was like, nah, I got you. Hold on. <laughs> he took that shit quick as fuck. You got to respect uh, Belgium's, uh, Belgium being clinical, taking care of business. Uh, England did look to be the second best team, as uh, Jose Mourinho says. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think uh, England looked like they had some chances that they could have put away, and they just didn't. Belgium stood strong. Uh, Spencer's man is Romelu Lukaku doing it all, though, it looked like. Playing defense, you know, setting up goals, goal line clearances, and a, a whole bunch. Yeah, that goal line clearance was on your guy, Harry Kane. Yeah, two, uh, two big-ass heads <laughs> at it again. So, uh, you know, Belgium took care of business. Uh, Lukaku, big-ass head, took care of business. Uh, Kane, to be fair, looked like he was trying to do his best, but wasn't enough against the Belgians, who got to be a power player in Europe. You guys agree? They are. Which maybe brings me to a question: Who is who? Who would you guys say right now at this point is the team to beat in Europe? Is it still France, or does Belgium kind of take that from them? Do you think Portugal has a shot? Uh, is England anywhere in there as they somehow always are, but never came to that? What do you guys think? Belgium, those three countries you named: Belgium, Portugal, France. The three teams I would shit bricks to. Those are the three strongest teams on the continent right now. Those three teams are not going to make anything easy. Yeah, those are those are some really tough competition. And Mbappe didn't even play against Portugal, so it's he didn't. It's no. like you're missing some stars, and it's just some really tough. And then even for Belgium, Hazard didn't play, so it's just missing missing stars all around. Yeah, to be fair, France <clears throat> to me looks like the team to beat. Still, they're just super deep. 
they can start anybody pretty much on their squad at any position and they will compete. And then when they put their best out, it's definitely scary. Um, we were talking about Paul Pogba playing much better in the French jersey than he does Manchester United. Uh, why do you guys think that is? Comfort. Yeah, France Paul Pogba just, he just seems like a whole different player. I don't know. I don't know what it is for him, but he loves playing for his national his national team. Mm, does this mean he hates Old Gunnar Solskjaer as much as I do, or you think he hates him a little bit more? I think it's a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading I mean, he's with him every day. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think so. Like, but at the same time, um, he's more open with friends. He's more freer in friends. And Man United, I don't, it's not like that. So, of course, I would rather play for the national team under those circumstances. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then I'll just add on the fact that I think that he's dying to leave Man United. I, you know, I, I don't. I, I think he has days where he's like, you know what? Let me just play some good football. But overall, it just seems to me that he wants to leave badly and has wanted to leave for quite some time. So, I think that's definitely a, a factor in there. But yeah, France definitely to me think, seems like the the team to beat. Um, I would say Belgium would be our close second. They just they're just very deep. I saw I saw Baby Hazard playing Thorgan Hazard. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, even being out with COVID, I think. Or yeah, Eden Hazard had COVID. Yeah, and so him being out with COVID, and you still got the baby Hazard, and they still look lethal. Drius Mertens, uh, you know, looks great, and they look good in the back. Uh, even though their their center back pairing is a bit older, a couple of former Spurs guys, or one former Spurs guy, Jan Vertonghen, shout to my boy. Yeah, France number one to me, Belgium two, Portugal three. Does England have an outside shot at winning the Euros, or are they piss poor? And if it happens, we'd be surprised. Um, the original question was if they're a must-beat team, or like if they're one of the top dogs. Um, they they can climb up to that, but right now I wouldn't put them in that category. They're like second. Healthy, tier. they're a great team. So who knows? Especially in European competition, or just like international tournaments, anything can happen. Someone can take fire. But when they're all healthy, like when you have the Sterlings and the Rashfords, they're a tough team to beat. On their death. Yeah, I would I would agree with Spencer there. They have a bunch of young guys. I mean, credit to Gareth Southgate. One thing he does is he definitely implements the young guys, and he has no fear doing that. Really young squad. All of them have tons of potential, and they're all individually have been doing their thing uh, on the club level. I'll be you know some guys specifically have been lacking a bit, but a lot of young folks there, a good core, and when they're on, they look like they look like they can beat almost anybody. But the issue with them is a bit of consistency. I think they sometimes don't bring the heat and uh, that cost them. And you saw that today against uh, against Belgium. They were by far the second best team. But I don't know. I think I think England could have a chance if they look good, an outside chance, of course. Would I put, would I put some money on them? I don't know about that. But um, Yeah, England's chances to win, the um to make it back to the finals are pretty much shot. Belgium just needs a point in their next game to go to the final four to join France. Um, Belgium and France on Portugal are still the top dogs, I think, at this very moment in time. England on their day can be, but if we're putting them up against those two teams, and I don't know. Like, England had their day against Belgium when they beat them at Wembley. but And uh, the Dutch, are, are, they, uh, are they completely out of the picture in terms of, not in terms of the Nations League, but in terms of the in, in Europe rankings and the the Euros coming up next uh, next summer are are we uh, are we not even considering them to be somebody that could cause a little bit of ruckus? 
they'll put up a fight. They're definitely improving. They're not like the teams that missed out on the Euros in the World Cup last time. They'll give teams a run for their money, I'm sure. I th- I think they look. I think that that they are a team for the future. Maybe the coming World Cup if they can get their shit together. Um, but as of now, in terms of the Euros, I think they're outclassed and outmatched by a lot of teams. England being one of them, which sometimes isn't saying much, but to be fair, this English team looks really, 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 really good. But yeah, um, the highlight I think of the week would to me would be Scotland booking a spot uh, in in Euros. And I guess you could say the same for North Macedonia, although I don't keep up with them as much. You got to appreciate a team that doesn't get there often getting there. And so shout out to them as well. But that was pretty much the uh, action that we had on, on pitch uh, this this week. The other MVP, I guess you could say, or the most, the most hated would be injuries. Uh, going back into clubs last week and even in <clears> the <throat> Uh, injuries seem to be the, the the main headline or the main scoop every single place you go. Uh, I'm sure Spencer, being a fan of Liverpool, can agree to this. It looks like another, another Liverpool player goes down every hour. I don't understand how this shit is happening, but just to name a few off rip, I think Raheem Sterling went out with an injury uh, during Belgium versus England today. Uh, earlier on in the week, obviously, we mentioned Andy Robertson going out. And then we've got uh, Joe Gomez, who had a surgery I'm sh- that wasn't due to international duty, but just before. Like the first or second day of international duty. Well, there's, I mean, there you go. Um, so players dropping like flies. And uh, we had a conversation about this off mic. But so. Uh, what the conversation we had. Yeah. And so in order to not go back to some crazy shit that we talked about, I'd like to ask y'all the question, what is the solution if there is one? Is there a solution here? And if so, what it is? What is it? Uh, I'm going to say it starts with hope. That <laughs> none of these games, because all yeah. the games that they have to play, like games aren't going to get taken away. Games aren't going to get cut short. So just hoping that players can just stay as healthy as they can with the recovery days, things taken into account, because it's just like you're not going to start cutting games off the season. So just hoping that <laughs> the team stays healthy, hoping that your players recover. If it's a if it's a big injury, they take their time to come back. If they can come back, speedy recoveries. We're just hoping that it all works out because these injuries are starting to pile up. You really can't avoid them, especially if a chunk of them are muscle injuries. You don't want to rush players back with muscle injuries because it only gets worse if they come back quicker, out longer. So it's just a whole host of things. If it's surgery, you can't rush surgery. We're just hopeful that the players, just players, the staff, the teams – all their teams they play for and just figure out the best ways to keep these guys on the field. That's really all I got. I mean, shout to hope. Uh, yeah. The, the number one thing on planet earth is hope, hope for better times. And uh, I guess at this, at this very moment, it looks like that's all the players can do while they're falling over and tearing hamstrings and ACLs and whatnot. Uh, Ronnie, any thoughts? Hope was how we got the first black president in the United States. So I agree with that. Hope is definitely a good starting point. I know we did talk about this a lot last time. A lot of games being played around this time, and they're all pretty much bunched up together. You have a league game, then a Champions League game, then a league game, another Champions League game, another league game, international break. Then you come back to a league game, and then maybe a cup game, and then Champions League again. The schedule, you know, should be more accommodating. Honestly, don't know what could be done at this point right now. Like, we pretty much had the chance to come up with schedules over the summer. 
Um, we knew the season would be condensed, but to the point where we have players dropping like flies. I don't know what we could do right now, man. So hope. The five player uh, sub rule that the Premier League coaches, namely Jurgen Klopp, uh, Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Frank Lampard, among others, Ogana Shoskar, the rule that they are basically pushing to bring forth. Do you guys think that it is necessary uh, to alleviate some this this issue, I guess, that players are having with playing all these games? Or do you think that it would be just helpful? I guess it would be helpful. Thinking about it now, um, it wouldn't really change the fact that you still have games coming at you left and right. If managers can manage um, wisely, it would definitely work out. But um, it, it would be some form of help, but you would still have the problem there. I think I agree. I think I think I would say well, – I would agree with what you just said there, but in terms of the five-sub rule, I think – to me, I think that needs to be the starting point and then go from there. Because I think at this point, you see what happens um, when players play game in, game out. And obviously injuries can happen at any point in any time. Last season before COVID kicked off, it happened with Spurs and a lot of their attacking guys went down literally week after week. But I think with the heavy run of games that players are having now and the heavy run of games that players had, the season before, which you know wasn't that far off from the new season, having five subs at this point looks like at least a starting off point where coaches and teams can kind of figure out what to do next in terms to help their players better. Obviously, there is a bit of a pushback between the bigger clubs who can afford to rest some of their stars and still have a bunch of quality there uh, to play other teams versus the lower level teams who may be playing their best players with their starting 11 plus their three subs. And anything after that must, might be to just, you know, bring in some fresh legs. But, yeah, that's where I stand. I mean, it doesn't look like anything's going to change now. So I think Spencer must have hit it on the head. Folks got to hope and hope for the best. Hope that they drank enough milk as uh, <laughs> when they were kids. And, uh, you know, uh, hope for the best. The shit is crazy. Yeah, man. If there was just um, one thing to wipe off all injuries, that would pretty much be good. But things don't work that way. And um, then you have COVID on here as well um in regards to covid players got to be a little bit a little responsible apparently mo salah was out at a wedding turning up mm. um, i get it go to the wedding you know it's 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 family but to be dancing on top of tables no mask on that's that's kind of crazy um mm. it's not like you caught it from passing by somebody and they did contact tracing you kind of opened yourself up to it and now Liverpool are down an attacker, which isn't really a big concern because they got Diogo Jota to fill that shoe in. So um, when it comes to COVID, we got to be a little bit more aware. Responsibility matters, kids. Did uh, did Sadio Mane also he, – he tested positive for COVID earlier on in the season, right? Yeah, like last month or two months ago. Yeah, earlier on. It's crazy how they interchange. Either they're scoring goals one week, one out, or they're both getting COVID one, one week and the other. They're really – truly that's, that's what you call chemistry. You get COVID, I'm going to get it too. Got to respect it. But yeah, I mean, continuing on, I guess, with the conversation of injury. I hate, I mean, I hate to ask it like in this way, but and I'm just talking in terms of the Premier League because that's what I've been focusing on. But does it make the Premier League that much more, that much more entertaining? And if, if not entertaining, does it make the competition that much closer? I don't know. Um, honestly, don't know how to answer that question. In one respect, you can say sure, because... As of right now, where we sit, the Premier League table looks like it's going to be 
some crazy shit. But you gotta let the season play out. See how these injuries really affect these players. Right. Um, Virgil's injury doesn't didn't really affect Liverpool in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you know wait and see how things affect these guys. Uh, all right. So in terms of Liverpool, obviously Spencer's here. Uh, right when I give my public uh, apology because it's only fitting, right? But I did predict Liverpool to uh, take some L's, especially to some teams that were. Uh, on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of the Premier League. They did adapt very well uh, without Van Dyke. Uh, Fabinho did play uh, his role to a T, and obviously their front three uh, has been taking care of business. Their new front three, I should say, with Diogo Hota looking at Roberto Firmino like, yo, go ahead and sit on the bench over there with your big teeth. Uh, I'll take care of business. And uh, they've been grinding out results um, and winning games. So uh, to Liverpool, I'm sorry. I can't apologize to Spence, but I'll apologize to Liverpool. Uh, my bad, y'all. Uh, y'all got it for now. Now We're listening. We're listening. Now, obviously, <laughs> now obviously uh, things could get a bit more sticky for Liverpool as Trent Alexander-Arnold went down and Andy Robertson went down. Henderson allegedly also went down uh, to some tightness. We're not sure if it's anything crazy, but we'll see. But with that being said, I mean, I got to ask, uh, is Liverpool still the – contender in terms of winning the league there in the Premier League? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, based on what we've seen so far at the moment, because obviously the season is long, 36 games is a marathon. Players will come back from injury and stuff like that. But at the moment, based on results and stuff like that, do you still see Liverpool out there to be the, 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 you know, the team to beat the guys who you think will win? You have to put your money on it. I guess if we're going back to like a word for this podcast, it's hope. I mean, I'm hopeful that the, They'll keep going. Injuries will start being a little bit more kind to them. They'll start getting players back on the pitch. But this season just seems like a season that's going to be a very fine margin. It's very either you're getting those those wins, you're grinding them out, you're getting the big wins, or you're just you're missing out by the skin of your teeth because you don't have a player that might have saved you or a player that might have done something for you. So we'll see. Because even even though the way City played against Liverpool the last time they met, that first half City was City was right there. I mean, if Kevin De Bruyne doesn't miss that goal, City win the game and they close the gap with the game at hand. Right. So, I mean. Yeah, I agree. And we, it's, we talk, it's, we a, it's a season of very fine margins. Absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. And you can't discredit the teams that are at the top. Like right now, Leicester's at the top, worked very hard to get there. Everton is very close to the top, worked very hard to get there. Teams have been playing well, so we'll see how it goes. And it's very early still. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say Liverpool's title chances are sh- like – a hundred percent shot. I feel like I did say that before, but um, it is going to be a lot cha- more challenging this time around for Liverpool. And if they can somehow find a way to win the Prem after being injury struck, um, LV, you said it. You, know, you said it best. This title would mean a lot more than last title because yeah. of the adversity. Yeah, I agree, and I also think that would mean the end of Pep Guardiola. Just because, come on, G. Like you guys are playing the way you're playing. Liverpool going down the way they're going down. I mean, obviously, I like I said earlier on in the in the year, I think that it's Champions League or bust for them. But either way, it doesn't. Things are not cooking up very well for Mr. Guardiola. Obviously, it's very early. You know, we're only in November, and the season runs off up until you know May, or at least late April. And so, there's a lot to be played and a lot that could happen in that amount of time. But just going back to that that Liverpool City game, Liverpool. Liverpool were the team that were firing on all cylinders early on. 
you know, you got Sadio Mane causing that penalty and giving Kyle Walker all types of hell. City was trying to catch up with them in the way they were, that they were playing. But to be fair, the first half did finish off as, as you know, a game that was just completely back and forth, completely open. Everybody, it was anybody's game. And, um, but to go away from that real quick, I think the main thing about it that I took away from it, and we did talk about this before, was just that just based on the amount of games that players have been playing, you can just kind of see it in the players, you know, whether or not it's a marquee matchup. Usually you would see in, in a game like that, Liverpool versus City, two of the title contenders of the last three years, that they would be putting everything on the line to get those points uh, off of each other because they knew that they could probably beat most of the other teams in the league. And so it would be a game that it meant a lot and it felt like it meant a lot. But the way the second half played out, it looked like the players were just tired and they knew that they had some international games to play for the week coming up and that they just were just kind of wishing that it would be over. And while Liverpool, I guess, should be happy taking the one point from that match, because it did look like City did want to uh, capitalize and, 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 and take the W, you know, it just looked like both of the teams were kind of just like, man, you know what? Is, is it the 90th minute yet? Like, is it over yet? And I guess that's a testament to the type of season that we've been having. And you got to, like Spencer said, you got to, I got to use the word hope. You got to hope that that's not what carries on into the season. But unfortunately, based on the way the schedule is with the FA Cup coming in, like y'all said, and the Carling Cup coming, I mean, or the Carabao Cup, I'm sorry. The Carabao Cup coming in, as well as Champions League knockout stages and Europa League knockout stages. It just doesn't seem like there'll be some rest for these players anytime soon. And um, do you think we'll see, uh, I guess, a downward shift in terms of the quality of matches? I mean, we've already seen plenty of goals uh, happening. And I guess you could attribute that to a lack of, you know, defensive soundness or whatever you want to attribute that to. But do you guys feel like the quality of the game itself is ultimately being affected by by this this uh, unbelievable schedule that we have? Or do you think that it's just as entertaining as, as it's ever been? Uh, we're going to get to a point where some of these games are going to be like that Liverpool City game where the first half they'll be on their shit, second half they'll just be uh, just being laid back. Other games are still going to be the fiery like seven goal game that we saw in September. I think it, it'll vary. So does this mean Aston Villa won the Premier League? I didn't say all that, no. <laughs> I didn't say all that, no. Liverpool should still be a favorite. Um, Leicester City looks like they want a shot at it. Spurs look like they want a shot at it. Hopefully, by the end of this, we'll have a proper title chase. Yeah, you got to and hope that we don't have uh, many more players, uh, especially like star players, all players, of course, going down due to injury and the year ahead and uh, the Euros and all the other major tournaments that we have across the world coming up. But, uh, yeah, I guess you got to just pray for the players because they got plenty of games left to play. And while it started out being uh, enjoyable to watch as a fan uh, earlier on in the season, it just looks like the, it's taking a toll on these guys a lot more than it than I guess a lot of people thought or a lot of people cared to think, mainly being, you know, the FA or FIFA and stuff like that. Because, uh, yeah, they, they look tired, they look out of it, and they look like they just don't want to get hurt. And, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't say much about it. There's a lot to be said about this, and at the end of the day, it looks like there's not much of a solution, and uh, you got to hope for the best. So let's get on, let's get on hoping, le- gentlemen. Yeah, hope Liverpool to the title. Those whoa, whoa, whoa. Great, great team. We ain't say all that. 
I think the only one of us is hoping for that. I hope the opposite. Not quite the opposite, but um, now uh, you mentioned something, LV, um, about um, UEFA and FIFA, something along those lines. Conveniently, there's one I, I kind of want to talk about Tony Cruz. Mm, um, okay, on his podcast, Einfach Mal Lupin. Um, <laughs> wait, you spell that? No, I'm just kidding. No, you spell that? You can spell it? No, I'm just kidding. No, spell it. Einfach is like Eintracht, but Fach instead of Acht. Malupin. It definitely sounds um, German. He, he was talking about um, the prospect of a European Super League and like pretty much how the wealth goes out across FIFA and Europe. Per this ESPN FC bit on Instagram, Tony Cruz said on his podcast, Einfach Einfach. Unfortunately, we players don't decide these things. We're just puppets of FIFA and UEFA. If there were a players union, we wouldn't play the Nations League or a Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. He went on to say, these competitions are intended to absorb everything financially and squeeze players physically too. Everything doesn't always have to be more faster, more money. He definitely had smoke. <laughs> he definitely mm-hmm. had some smoke for the concept of playing a Nations League and playing a four-team Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. By the way, that I never agreed on. I, I thought playing a Super Cup with the four teams was stupid. Just have the winner of the league and the winner of the cup. That's it. Like everyone else, it was like a normal fucking league. But Spain wanted to go all out, play this in Saudi Arabia, a four-team tournament. As for the Nations League, I get the purpose of the Nations League was to get rid of like friendlies that didn't really mean much. So that's why you have a Nations League. And again, this season aside, COVID aside, going off of what we saw the first Nations League, it was pretty successful. But in the grand scheme of things, a lot of these events and a lot of these competitions are money grabs. Trying to start up a European Super League with just Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, Manchester's, Chelsea, Dortmund, that's definitely a money grab. In some ways, they don't take these players' um, considerations that hard. They just do it for green and greed. Your guys' piece, that was just my piece. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I do agree. I think I think it seems at this point that it's very obvious that it's just a money grab. I, the idea of a competition of, of Europe's top teams is, like, pretty enticing. But at the end of the day, that's what we have the UEFA Champions League for. It's already there, sort of in an effect. Um, now, I do understand that a league – or, you know, playoffs in Saudi Arabia. I mean, only money would have you, you know, playing matches in a country that, you know, is in hot political waters every every which way. But, yeah, it looks like a money grab to me. But the UEFA Champions League is there for, for, for what it's there for. And on top of that, it gives teams a chance to uh, enter into that competition and and we have, we have everything in there from uh, dark horse stories and uh, you know, uh, fairy tale runs and or, or big dominant teams doing what they do. So we we I feel like we have everything that we want in this already set you know structure. And so adding to it, just to throw it up you know and play games in exotic countries and shit like that. I mean I can't I can't see it for anything else than a money grab. But you know I'm broke as hell. So what do, what do I know, right? And that's my two cents. Yeah, I know that struggle too. Uh... I have nothing compared to what these players and what these um, football officials have in the bank. 
pieces they yeah, had. Yeah, I agree with you, though. It's all pretty sketchy. As much as we love the game and stuff like that, some things you just got to take a like step back and like, okay, do we really need to go to Jeddah for a Spanish Super Cup? Do we really need to add two more teams to a Super Cup? Stuff like that is like, mm, I don't know. But, yeah, kind of agree with Tony Cruz in some, in some respect on that. Uh, now, he also did have some words for Pierre-Emerick uh, Aubameyang. Uh, Here we go. I guess you, you could call it slightly spicy. Obviously, he had, he had some smoke for the you know the money grabbing system that is the uh, uh, this uh, new Super League and whatnot. But Ronnie, do you uh, want to give us what he said uh, about Obama Yang and uh, in this? I mean, I guess in the fairest of terms, what do you think of that in that sense? Okay, um, on the same podcast, I'm Fachma Lupin. I I really gotta know what the translation of that shit is. Um, <laughs> Uh, if it's something offensive and I'm being offensive, I, I apologize. I think, I think it means fuck Black Panther. That's what I. That's I don't know. I didn't Google it or anything, but that's what I heard. Yeah, um, we gotta do our Googles. Um, Obama Yang once celebrated and took out a mask. That's where it ends with me. I don't think that's a good role model either. What nonsense! Pierre Emerick Obama Yang replied on Twitter. I can pronounce Twitter. There you go. By the way, does Tony Cruz have any kids? By the way, yes, he does. Just to remember, I did it for my son a few times, and I will do it again. I wish you have kids one day and make them happy like this junior school people's talk. And with that tweet, he attached um, a painting of himself that a kid drew. I think his shirt has a smiley face on it. Um, That's besides the point. But yeah, that's what um Tony Cruz, I mean Aubameyang had to say to Tony Cruz. Damn, I, I think Tony Cruz's smoke for Aubameyang was unwarranted. Um, I don't know what led to this. Again, I don't know Ger- I don't know German, and I you won't be catching me listening to Ein Fachmalupen. <laughs> you won't catch me listening to that podcast only because I don't know German. All I know are <laughs> basics like Deutschland, um, meine Damen und Herren. Um, which is German for ladies and gentlemen. That's pretty much all I know in German. Bruh. Um, but back to the smoke though. I, I don't know, this was uncalled for without the context. Hopefully, yeah, with context, it sounds like, yeah, sound like some player hating, but I mean, uh, it was funny. Is you know, I, it just like it sounded like you know, he just tossed it out there. And Pierre Mikobami and kind of kind of responded in a very classy way, which was like kind of takes the bite out of it. Like, I, I had a lot of things to say about this. And I was gonna throw some fake racist, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, some fake racist uh, fingers at Tony Cruz, but Obama kind of handled this in a way that, like, you know what? Let's just diffuse this, and it, it's not even about me; it's about the kids. So it, I feel like it wasn't that crazy what he said. It it was definitely unwarranted. I agree, but Obama's reply, I think, makes Tony Cruz look like a like a piece of shit. Uh, you know, and so, and I bet he never even watched Black Panther. I just that's all I'm gonna say about that. But yeah, well, shout out to Obama and keeping it classy. He said it's about the kids. It's not even about me. Uh, it got nothing, got nothing to do with being a role model. Well, actually, it has everything to do with being a role model. Something I guess Tony Cruz doesn't care about. But um, yeah, I wonder why he said that. I wonder why. I wonder where it came from and why he said it. Cause that just sounds like some player hating. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like it did. Again, this this came out of nowhere. Um, when I saw it on Instagram, I'm like, okay, um, 
did they ever play with each other? I guess I don't. I don't know. Um, like this. This was out of nowhere. Like if he said this about someone he played with, let's say for shits and giggles, Hamas. I kind of get that you had smoke with him from since you were playing with him. But mm -hmm. Obama Yang, I don't get the connection. Kind of comes out of nowhere. It sounds like he was a DC type of guy, and he doesn't fuck with Marvel. Because if you notice, <laughs> Obama Yang only pulls up with the Marvel, you know, Max, the Spider Mans, the Black Panthers. You feel me? Stuff like that. So it just sounds like he's on his hating shit. I don't think Tony Cruz uh, watched the Black Panther, and that's my hot take. My hot take is that he is a DC type of guy. Um, so and my advice to him would be, yo, just push watch Black Panther, man. You know, T'Challa and uh, you know his sister Shuri. You know, they're all cool as fuck. You know, you might you might actually learn something, and you might like it. Who knows? Maybe you can put on a mask yourself when you score. Get the little Wakanda forever, you feel me? But it just sounds like he on some player hate and shit. And sometimes I feel him. You got a player hate. I don't know why he would do that to Obama, but sometimes you got a player hate, man, you know, just to get the juices flowing. It's been a boring week. Uh, it's international break. And if he's not playing, which I'm sure, I think he got called up, but didn't play at all. Maybe he just wanted to light some sparks, you know, get it, get his mentions popping. You know, and so, uh, yeah, he went there, and, uh, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like it is a DC Marvel kind of situation. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to find out the meaning of Einfach mal Lupin while we're talking. I'm trying to find the actual definition. Bro, I'm telling you, I think it means fuck Black Panther. That, that's my hot take. I think it means fuck Black Panther. He just, he, he's, he's, on his, he's on his Killmonger shit right now. He's hating on King T'Challa. You know, he's on his big hating shit, so I don't know. Tony Cruz, man, what's up with you, man? That shit's crazy. Okay, so it says Lupin is German. F oh, no wonder why I don't know shit. Uh, I'm, bruh, we're going to have these moments. I'm looking up what this means, and apparently I'm looking it up in Danish instead of German. Mm. Shouts to the Schmeichels and the Ericsons. Um, I meant to look it up in German. I'll have the answer by the end of this podcast. Don't worry. And uh -huh. hey. Y'all, I'll, I'll put money on it. Means fuck Black Panther. That's 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 what I think. I don't know. I could All right. Um. So with that being said, um, we did before we did start recording, um, we did get the news that Javier Mascherano was retiring from football completely. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Um. Big ups to him. You know, uh, a key piece in Barcelona's structure for a long time. Uh. Uh. Not only that, played on Liverpool and if I'm not mistaken was on the Liverpool team that came back from 3-0 down against the great AC Milan team to come back and win uh, in penalties uh, to get Liverpool Champions League. So a storied career he's had, you know, given Real Madrid some hell for quite some time in his career. Um, and then also getting some hell from Real Madrid as well, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, hats off to him, class player, all, all type of class. Yeah, congrats to him. Deserves deserves all the praise he's getting. Was a great player for us. Great player for Barcelona as well. Great player for Argentina. Just an overall great football player. It was really great to watch him play. Yeah, man. Um, and I was going to be – I'm going to miss seeing him play and stuff. Um, but shouts to him. Like you guys said, hell of a career. I wonder who would be the next Mascherano. But only time will tell. Yeah, man. Um as I'm looking at his face now, it kind of looks like Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, Raw like Bruno Fernandez, you feel me? But uh, 
it's just really funny because I haven't looked at Javier Mascherano's face in a while, and I haven't seen him with hair in a very long time because he usually plays with a shaved head. So uh, it's it's pretty funny to look at. He kind of looks like a little bit of a Bruno Fernandez, except Bruno Fernandez does have the naked mole rat teeth, so he looks a little bit more crazy. Um, but that's really funny. Javier <laughs> Mascherano, man. I mean, that's it. But with that being said, I mean, if we have any BS of the week, should we already get to that? It's been it's been a quiet week. Um, you know, maybe not yeah, pretty much. uneventful. My BS of the week would be again until I get more context. My BS of the week would have to be Cruz going at Aubameyang. You're on a different level compared to Aubameyang. You have the trophies. He doesn't. You should even be thinking. You should even be like putting your attention towards him. That's only the BS of the week I can think of. Um, and also BS of the week, the fact that I can't find that definition to the translation rather to Einfach mal Lupin. Yo, you said that like 30 times. I did say that. It's nice. It's funny to say, but I want to know what it means. I feel like it really does mean F Black Panther. I don't know what it means. Um, for all my German folk, um, if you could help me out, I'd appreciate it. At Foodie Misfits, you know where to find me. I do not know anything in German besides the basics, like I said. I want to know what that means. Other than that, yeah, nothing to call. I got some quick BS of the week. Just Sergio Ramos, your second penalty, man, that shit was hilarious to watch. I was just like, I'm expecting him to level the game up. You know, they're down 1-0 in the late 50s, you know, late 50th minute, 56th minute, something like that. And, you know, he stepped up to the spot kick, ready to put that bitch away. And he really just like, he just like, I feel like he's, he had a brain freeze like at the moment where he decided to kick the kick the ball. And it was like a half panenka, like not too much spin on there. It looked like he passed it to the keeper. And even the Swiss keeper looked at it like, you, yo, you sure? <laughs> like you want to take that again? So I just got to call some BS on Sergio Ramos uh, for shitting on himself on his big day. Uh, that was really funny to see. I mean, all around class guy, uh, not maybe not class, but all around talented guy. Great defender, great player overall, um, but just really just shit the bed there. Spain ended up drawing the game uh, later on uh, from a Moreno goal, which I guess you could say was coming after the Swiss went down uh, one man. But that shit was hilarious, man. Just watching that shit was like, I had to, you know, put the replay on. I found a, I found a clip of it online. I've been watching that a couple times. It's just really funny to see. He just looked like he didn't know what he wanted to do with the penalty kick, and that's always really funny to see. But that's pretty much it. Aside from that, not much there. Not much there this week. Yeah, um, really wasn't. Um, but I do, you know, enjoy some of the international footy that we did get to see. The return of club footy will be, um, very very warm, warmly received. But yeah, I don't really have anything else. And um, I guess this might be one of the shortest eps we've had ever. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It'd be like that sometimes. Uh, y'all always know what it is. As as you know, me being the big fan of club football, I can't wait for its return. We got La Liga, Atletico Madrid play Barcelona. Should be fun to watch. Uh, AC Milan, league leaders in Serie A. Zlatan Ibrahimovic putting in the work, scoring the goals and doing his thing. Uh, they play Napoli in a very highly contested game, which should be fun to watch. If Napoli can win that game, then they, they should be able to take AC Milan over the top of the table just based on, I think, even goal differential. It's that close right now. So Liverpool do play Leicester uh, in a top-of-the-table battle there. Both both of these guys vying to sit up top at the table, um, and uh, both of them coming off of pretty decent weekends before the international break. 
Heavyweight game, big six game. Spurs plays Manchester City. So that should be uh, an interesting one. Last time out, Jose Mourinho's men beat City 2-0, uh, courtesy of a Steven Bergwijn goal on his debut and a Hyungmin Sun goal after a red card for the citizens. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff to see. and I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm tired of this international football. I'm happy that Harry Kane didn't get injured as a Spurs fan because that's what he's known for, to be honest, besides scoring goals. And so uh, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back, y'all. Spencer, the floor is yours. Any thoughts to um, send us off on? Uh, N'Golo Conte scoring this week just made me really happy because that guy just is always smiling. So just really happy for him scoring that goal. Just just an awesome guy, man. It's just rough. He plays for Chelsea, but Fred's yeah, N'Golo Conte is awesome. You can never go wrong with mentioning N'Golo Conte. That's a friend. You're just so happy, man. What a great guy. He's just a great human being. I love that guy. Absolutely. When you see him frown, I frown. Yeah, that's all I got. Just excited for, for club football to come back. Same as you guys. He said the world, when N'Golo Conte frowns, the world frowns. <laughs> Basically, um, when he frowns, um, an angel loses its wings. That's facts. But there we go. I mean, with all that being said, Ronnie, you want to go ahead and uh, sign the boys off? Yes, before I do, um, we had H-Man Coker on the pod not too long ago. He dropped a Simp Sunday um, today. We're recording this on Sunday, titled Black Man Panther. So um, going on to the theme of Black Panthers and Marvels and DCs and Tony Cruz's and Obama Yanks, check that out. His Simp Sundays slap. Um, Tony Cruz, send that shit to his Tony. I'm going to send that shit to Tony Cruz DM. That's what I'm about to do. Hold on. You check on Black Panther, Tony. While LV does that, um, we enjoyed you guys listening to the Footy Misfits this week. Again, get out, uh, get at us on Instagram at Footy Misfits. Hashtag it as well. We appreciate all the listens. We appreciate all the follows. And with that being said, the RSL will close this one out. He is um, LV. Spencer is on the pod as well. Ooh. ooh. I go by the name of Ronnie. We are the Footy Misfits. We will see you guys next week. Peace and blessings. Stay strong and be brave. Enjoy the footy. Adios. Go do a leap on FIFA 21. Y'all know what time it is.